p.m. in tech online. JBA here and welcome to bonus episode 13 of diversity and mentorship in technology, where we continue the conversation about diversity, mentorship, careers, and business in technology with our guests. Each bonus episode is tied to a show episode. So don't forget to check that out first if you haven't already done so. Now, one more time, let's introduce our guest, David Johnson, and get into a deeper discussion regarding the topic of the week, IT procurement. So David, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. So one of the things in terms of IT procurement I want to go into is government versus the private sector. Now, if anyone's familiar with uh, IT procurement or just you know the RFP process and just in terms of getting bids for companies, you, know, you look at the healthcare website that costs quite a bit of money for from some standards. Myself as a web developer, <laughs> look at the price and say, "Wow, that's that's that's, uh, that's pretty substantial." So, what's your experience on the private enterprise sector versus the government enterprise sector in terms of IT procurement, and how do the processes, I guess, differentiate? Um, so, to a point, it's a lot easier when you're working for the government. Um, governments tend to negotiate at the at a much larger level. So I've never actually worked for the government, but I have worked for not-for-profit organizations, higher education institutions who get the benefit of working off of government contracts, right? So you can buy off of, you can get state pricing for Dell laptops. You can get state pricing for Microsoft products. But there are also states where they've kind of banded together, right? So there's consortiums of state institutions that are banded together to negotiate with the Oracles, Microsofts, Gmails of the world to get preferred pricing, preferred terms and conditions that's kind of already set. The government already sets security standards. So from a technology standpoint, you know that your data privacy, your your physical security, if it's a if it's in a data center project or an outsourcing project or something like that, you know all of that is already set at a government level and it just kind of you know it kind of trickles down from the the top level of the government down to the state levels and you can buy off of those contracts if you look for them right every state has a procurement office all you have to do is call the procurement office and they'll tell you or point you to the website to what you have access to the private sector is completely different you don't have the benefit of looking at a a state price list as your starting point you don't have that benchmark to work against. Sometimes it's a total. I was going to say something, but I'll I'll change that. It's it's up in the air as <laughs> to what your <laughs> as to what your your pricing could be. And I mean that's where where organizations you know have where niche organizations kind of come up. You have these organizations that benchmark. You have your Gartners and Foresters that you can interact with for a fee, of course, and get benchmarking information of against organizations that are your size, trying to do deals your size, and you can kind of figure out where your pricing fits in amongst those same small, mid-tier, large enterprise contracts, but you're on your own for the most part. You know, it's always, always about research. One of the biggest and best skills you could have coming out of college and into the workforce is an ability to Google. Just learn how to use Google and you can find a lot of information that you probably wouldn't be able to on a regular basis. Absolutely. Google is the best friend. And I tell younger students and people like that all the time to Google because it definitely will give you a leg up on the knowledge gap that may have existed before Google. 
One of the things you mentioned in the lightning round, you know, the corporate versus startup route, you said corporate and every guest obviously has a different view. What's your take or, you know, give us some insight in terms of why you recommend students go to the corporate route first versus startup. Learn the processes. In a startup environment, you're building the processes and procurement more than anything else is process driven. Startups are very fast. You have to move quickly. You have to be agile and process falls apart when you have to be quick and agile in an environment that's not structured. And for IT procurement, which again, it straddles the line between technology and finance. You're in a startup, you're buying all of this stuff and your accounting procedures aren't exactly up to snuff. So you can't pay for the things that you just bought in a timely fashion and vendor A shuts you off. You go to the corporate route if you start in an organization that maybe is not as agile, is not as fast, but they do have their processes down pat. You're experiencing that. So you know what it's supposed to look like. You know what the process is supposed to look like. You know how to get your purchase orders in place. You know how to contract because you're probably learning from someone who's already had that experience. And then you take that and you can move to a startup. But I would always recommend for someone to go to an organization that has their stuff together and figure out how they got their stuff together before you try and do it on your own. Great advice, DMIT. And walk before you run. Learn the process before you write the process. David, that's some awesome and great advice. One thing I want to go to in terms of you know IT security and you look at the Experian data leak and um, the healthcare topic specifically, if, for example, we go into state IT procurement versus federal IT procurement, how does that affect organizations' ability to work within across state borderlines? Let's say, for example, the healthcare debate that's going on right now, states are individually mandating and hiring their own data security for IT. How can that affect the organization's ability to operate across, again, state lines versus now having to have different processes and procedures for each individual state? Well, I mean, this is such a huge topic right now because it's not just state to state. It's also international, right? You look at the EU, they just ratified the uh, their new data protection laws that come into effect in May of 2018. So uh, security from state to state, you're going to find these organizations are now looking to get the highest level of data protection possible. You know, you're going to want super encrypted you know, masking of personally identifiable information in transit, you know, all of these, these really niche technologies are going to become super important right now. You're going to find, you know, government websites with completely new requirements for their users, right? So, you know, you're going to have the ability to opt into whether or not you want your data stored on their servers. You are, you know, if you're in the EU, there's part of GDPR is the right to forget, you know, I, you can't keep any of my data, even my email address. You can't use it for your marketing campaigns. So it's going to be very important that, so from a specifically from an IT procurement standpoint, it's going to be really important that you have and develop the right relationships with your data protection officers, with your security officers at any given organization, because these are the guys who are going to have the responsibility of understanding these regulations and, and putting the mitigation, uh, the risk mitigation activities in effect. And 
I'll say again, specifically to procurement, you have to contract against that. You have to rewrite your contracts to make sure that the data processor obligations are in effect and your non-disclosure agreements and how they use your da- your data is specifically spelled out in any of your procurement contracts. And, and that's, again, that's for any, that's not just for procurement, that's for any IT person to really pay attention to. Because you, as you see with, you know, Target, Experian, um, all, uh, was it Experian or Equifax? Sorry, uh, I think it's Equifax. Equifax, yep. You see with any of these, you, you see the damage that's done to these organizations' reputations. You see the damage that's done, you know, how can you trust Equifax at the moment? You can't, you know? Right. And uh, it's such a huge part of, of what makes an organization successful is their reputation. Absolutely. And one of the things that you, you kind of harped on is the, the IT side, getting your contracts, your your uh, your budgets in order, specifically with budgets and procurement. I guess, how does the organization really come up with that, given that if you have a procurement department in-house versus you know outsourcing that function, obviously there may be pros and cons to both, but what? how does the organization come up with the IT budget, given that sometimes they want to, you know, scrape by on minimal processes, which is not necessarily the best. What's your recommendation or how does an organization really define what the right IT budget for them is? There's a a theoretical idea of where you want your organization to be. So I'll give you the utopian version, then I'll give you the actual version. In the perfect world, you should know exactly what what you need from an IT standpoint to keep your lights on. And then you should have a vision of where you want to be in three years, in five years, right? So there's a a parallel path that you walk. There's a team whose job is just to keep the lights on. And then there's a team, usually probably the same group, that's also working in parallel to get you to that next level, that next utopian vision. So if that means all you're doing is making sure the PCs work, making sure the websites work, and make sure you can get money in and out of your organization, then that's keeping the lights on. But if in three years you want those same websites to attach to IoT cameras and web registration and all of this other stuff, well, then that's the utopian vision that you need to get to by year three. So you're working, you're doing your procurement, you're hiring the right people, you're outsourcing if that's what you have to do to get to that second phase in your life. And then that becomes the baseline and that Keeping the lights on team is just doing that. So with stakeholder engagement, with management engagement, you can take that baseline and say, this is how much it costs me to keep the lights on. And that's the baseline of your budget. Over the next three years, these are the activities that we're expecting to happen. Here's some contingency in case something breaks. And that's your new budget. It's the baseline plus the steps that you need to take to get to that next level plus some contingency. Awesome. Awesome advice, DMIT. And David, I want to kind of stop there and thank you again for coming on the show and and giving listeners and entrepreneurs a really good idea. I think it's one of the areas when it comes to procurement that is not uh, talked about a lot. And, you know, sometimes in the startup world is specifically to shoot from the hip, which is not the best from a data and security perspective. So I want to thank you again for coming on the show and just providing tremendous value to our listeners. Uh, thank you very much. I'm I'm happy to help. You know, I'm always here. You have my contact information if you ever need me to come back or if you want me to, you know, have another conversation, feel free to reach out. Awesome. We'd love to have you back on. <laughs>